Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome back to a bonus episode of the Puck and Write Chicago podcast. Uh, by the time you're hearing this, it'll be a couple days after we've recorded, but this week we have on the Brian Anderson of the Hockey 411 podcast. Um, if you remember a couple of months back, maybe one or two, we were on his podcast. He was so gracious to have Megan and I on, and unfortunately, Megan is a big girl and works a nine-to-five job, so she's currently sitting at her desk right now. Sorry, Megan, uh, but I will be talking with Brian today just about a couple things that have been happening in the NHL throughout the offseason and looking forward to the next season. But first of all, Brian, how are you doing? I'm doing great. I'm pumped to be here. Yeah, well, this is super exciting, and you were the first the first to ever have Megan and I on another podcast, so we're really happy to be able to return the favor for you here. It's been a crazy, crazy summer. Both Megan and I have been traveling. She was in Chicago. I was on the East Coast, so glad we finally got to be able to sit down and talk for a little bit. Um, but the first thing we want to jump right into right away are two, two things before we really get into it. But it came out this morning. Um, the Capitals, Evgeny Kuznetsov, has been suspended for four years by the IAHF after a positive cocaine test, which they, he took back on May 26th when he was representing Team Russia at the IAHF Ice Hockey World Championships. So he doesn't have a ban from the NHL yet, but he does have a ban from the IAHF. Why do you think your thoughts on that and... Is the NHL going to suspend him? So the NHL won't suspend him because they don't believe it's like a performance enhancing drug. But like my opinion on this is not, it's first off, it's not a good look. It's not a good look for anyone. I am with the IHF on this suspension because I think it's the right move because something like that, I mean, cocaine is a serious drug. Like you can get really hooked. And when you boil the science back to it, I remember this back in my biology class, it really manipulates your brain. It really hooks you. And we've seen the NHL have issues with players like Jared Stoll, Mike Richards, Mike Ribeiro. Now, granted, not all cocaine, but they've had issues. Like their substance and drug program needs, I think, a little bit of a revamp because those players really struggled off the ice, I think, and eventually forced them out of the league. And we can see, you know, Derek Bugard's a perfect example of what it can do to your body and what eventually it can lead to. And I think with Kuzi, it's not a good look. And I'm not surprised because the NHL, like, people do this in the show. It's not something that's uncommon, in my opinion, when, when you talk to former players and stuff like that. And it's just not surprising at all. No, and someone, people on Twitter and people all over were talking about, like, okay, well, players do this in the NFL all the time, and, and you see that happening. And it's, like you said, it's not a performance-enhancing drug, but it is – very dangerous. And I mean, he has, he voluntarily entered himself into the substance abuse and behavioral health program, which is run by the NHL, the NHLPA, because this, the video that was kind of linked to this came out a couple months ago, back when he was playing with Team Russia, but it was him in like a hotel room and you saw cocaine on the back, in the back of the video. And he was like, no, that wasn't me. I wasn't involved. And so then this comes out that he's like, okay, yeah, I did it. I voluntarily put myself into this program. And uh, he does have to meet with Gary Bettman before training camp begins, which theirs begins on the 13th of September. So I just, it, it, like you said, it's not a good look for him. It's not a good look just that in general, but it's also not a good look that he did have that prior video and that prior investigation and that he was like, no, it wasn't me. I didn't do it. And then a couple months later, it comes out that he was involved in I'm, it. I mean, like the minute the video came out and he's like, oh, I didn't do it. Like, all right, buddy, like you're lying through your teeth. Like I can see it right there. Like, oh, I removed myself from the situation. But like, all right. I mean, how, how much of a, a button up are you? Like, 
at the end of the day, you're getting paid X amount of dollars and you're in your early to mid twenties. People that age like to do different things like that. People, people say college is for experimenting and doing different things. Well, this is what happens when you give millions of dollars to young players. It's going to happen. It's just, I don't, I don't know how you can prevent it. I know that the NHL has got a serious issue. I know they don't really look at it like that. But at the end of the day, when you're giving someone millions of dollars, your risks and your percentages for something like this do go up. And yeah, it's just not, it's not a good look. And I mean, how else do players get so amped like they do? Cause I mean, I get amped pretty good, but they're on a, like a whole different level. Right. Like we're not professional athletes. Like how do you, and also it's a, it's a fact of the seasons of grind. Like the it's 82 games. You're going for months on end plus playoffs and like, for some people, it's like, okay, well, how am I going to get through that? Like, how am I going to be able to, to play at my peak for this set amount of time and you're traveling and you're away from your family and there's all different aspects that go into it. So hopefully something comes of that. I don't know. Like you said, I don't think they're going to suspend him either. It's it's going to be like a slap on the wrist. Hey, maybe here's like a game or two and just go through this program and, and get better, I guess. But um, another thing that I wanted to touch on here uh, as we move into more off-season talk is the Minnesota Wild have found a GM. They have hired Bill Guerin from the Pittsburgh Penguins, who was the assistant general manager for the past five years for them under Jim Rutherford, but he has been with them for eight seasons. Uh, he was the player development coach from 2011 to 2014. He was part of the back-to-back Stanley Cup championship teams, and he actually won it in 2009 as a player with Pittsburgh uh, and he also won in 1995 with New Jersey. But he had 18 years in the NHL, over 1,000 games played. He's a four-time All-Star. Uh, he was a right winger. So he, he's not in the Hall of Fame, but he, under Jim Rutherford, has, has done some pretty good things. And I think the, the, the situation in Minnesota, everyone jokes that it's like, okay, Minnesota and Edmonton are just what? Like, people look at them and like, what are you doing? What, what's going on here? And um, for them... They've been involved in, you know, the Jason Zucker talks, which I don't understand why you'd want to get rid of Jason Zucker. They've been involved in, I don't know if it, I think it was, I think it was the, I can't even remember the former GM's name right now, but he was, he called Matt Zuccarello a lizard. Like it's just, it, their draft has been kind of wacky. So that's just thoughts on that because I just, I don't know what to think of it, to be honest. I mean, I didn't mind the signing. You look at former assistant GMs. I mean, first off, he's been around the block. He knows what he's doing. He's been a part of the club for a while now. You look at Jason Bottrell, who was a former assistant GM. I think he's done an okay job in Buffalo. It's not best job, but if we're looking at it as a comparison of where they, what tree they grew out from, it wasn't terrible. He's not doing a bad job. He's not doing an amazing job in Buffalo, but I didn't mind it. I think he's definitely got his work cut out for him. It's better than a finalist who I don't even know why you're considering Peter Shirelli after what he did to Boston, what he did to Edmonton. But the fact that the Minnesota Wild ownership was even having him as a finalist or even considering him is, first off, super scary. So they definitely made the right choice with this one. I mean, I didn't mind it. It's, he's got his work cut out for him. He's got to produce a winner out of a team where there's some odd signings some definitely some different trades. And I think this really – brings a status quo to the Minnesota Wild, and it kind of levels things off. He's been there. He knows what it means to win a cup builder, especially with Pittsburgh. He knows what it means to win as a player. 
I think it kind of levels things off because during the offseason, during the signings, during the draft, and then finally getting fired, it was so up and down, so up and down. There's a lot of drama there, and I think bringing in someone from the outside and really cleaning house and you know settling it down, like I've said before, I, I think it really does now. Do I expect them to be a playoff team? Maybe. It's more of a stretch than anything else. Yeah, and I looked up his name. It's Paul Fenton. It escaped my mind as soon as I, had I knew transitioned it was Fenton. To it. I thought it was Ray for some reason. Yeah, or Ray Felton. I don't know. It was yeah. something that was popping. But he, I don't know if anybody has the athletic. We talk about the athletic all the time on our podcast, but obviously it's behind a paywall, so there's only so much we can say. But um, Michael Russo, who is the beat reporter for the Minnesota Wild, has done an excellent job covering this whole situation with Paul Fenton, and he released an article right after he got fired of everything that kind of led to it. And it got to the point where Paul Fenton was firing, like threatening people's jobs because they were like, he thought they were leaking information. He was very adverse to Chuck Fletcher's staff that was there when he came in. Um, It was just a lot of things that kind of made the, it it sounded like it made a a toxic work environment. And if it, it stems from, the front office. If the front office is toxic and the front office is is not not a good group of people, that'll stem all the way down to the players, all the way down management, all the way down everything, because this is how you set your standard for your organization. So, like you said, with uh, with Bill Guerin, he knows how to win. Um, he has won on both sides of it as a player, as a management uh, management side. So, I liked that point as well. That you know he's and he's also very neutral. Like I feel like he do, he doesn't have like, very many ties with people already in the front office. Like, he doesn't really have any, like, oh, well, he knew this guy back in this day when he worked with him here kind of thing. That that seems to happen a lot in the NHL. So I think it'll be good just a neutral third party coming in. It's like, all right, this is how we're going to run run things here. So we'll see how that goes, too. And they needed to have one. I'm pretty sure I, I read it somewhere that you need to have a general manager in place and, like, under contract by the time – training camp starts it's either training camp starts or September 1st so they needed to get it done like quick and they did so props to them for getting that done uh let's transition over to some RFA talk because that has been the talk of the offseason uh obviously there are some big names all of the big names are still left on the table besides Sebastian Ajo who had the worst offer sheet in history of offer sheets uh, but you still you still got guys like Zach Rowensky, Kyle Connor, Patrick Laine, Matthew Kachuk, Brock Besser, Charlie McAvoy, and you've got like Braden Point, Mitch Marner, who is obviously Mitch Marner is the biggest, the biggest story of all of them because, um, because of all of the rumors and everything going around on around there. So let's just start off with this first. The the big names. It's it's always been said that the big names are going to set the market, and Mitch Marner seems to be the guy that once he signs, all the other dominoes are going to fall. But why, why do you think it's taking so long for him to, for the, the two sides to even come to an agreement? It says that talks aren't even happening. Because Ma- uh, Matthews was signed early on and Nylander was signed really on, early on. Nylander got his money. Matthews got his money. Why can't Mitch Marner get his money? If you're sitting there and be like, okay, the two guys that I play with that are basically my age both got their money or around that same age. Both got their money. Why do I have to take a pay cut? John Tavares got his money. Why do I have to take a pick? I drove a line. You're sitting there and be like, I am a huge key to this uh, this team. I ended up driving a line when you saw there, Austin Matthews gets 11 and a half, essentially. Nylander waited the distance and then waited for Kyle Dubas to blink. Like, all of this could have been avoided if 
you signed him at the end of last year, and he would be on the team. Now, granted, did he want to do that? Probably not. He probably would want to bet on himself. But there were no rumors like, hey, we're going to try and sign him right now and lock this team up. This is an organization that three or four years ago was asking players to come play for them. Now they can't get players to come play for them. Their cap friendly was clean. Now it's a mess. And it's just boggles my mind that you have to go to Switzerland like, okay, well, I'm going to go play there and try and move the wheels. And I all on Mitch Marner for this. Go out and get your money, man. You only get this once or twice in your career. Take care of your family. And obviously in Canada, the taxes are a little bit different, a little bit higher. But at the end of the day, go out, get your money. Like, why should you have to be skipped on considering you're arguably the best player of that trio? Yeah, yeah. And that's and the whole thing is that there's there's people on the side that are like, well, this is your hometown team. This is a team that you grew up watching. And and don't you want to be a Toronto Maple Leaf for life? Like, take the pay cut and stay with this core that could try and make a Stanley Cup run down down the stretch. Or like you're the point that you made that was like, OK, well, you need to look out for yourself as well. Like you're you're getting this one big lifetime contract, like maybe maybe twice if you if you take maybe a five-year deal or a six-year deal but I doubt he's going to do that because I think I'm pretty sure if it's a five if it's a five-year deal he'll hit free agency the same time as Matthews and Nylander and the Leafs definitely don't want that but Mitch doesn't want a bridge and Dubas doesn't want to give him an eight-year or a seven-year so the finding that that middle ground and then also what he's worth like there's there's people out there that are like okay he's worth Connor McDavid money, but then there's people that are like, well, he's worth like eight or nine million. And I'm I'm of the opinion that he's worth maybe eight and a half, nine. I think he's on the lower end of it. I don't think he's worth I don't think he's worth north of ten at all. I don't think he's worth McDavid money at all. McDavid is is in a class of his own. If on honestly, if anything, you give him like seven, I don't know, seven over seven, seven over seven and a half. Like it's That's just low. Yeah. That's low. I like for me. It's I think he's worth right around John Tavares' money. Yeah. He drove that. He drove that line. Either it was line three or line two. He drove it. Like he creates so much space because he's so small. Everyone doesn't like a small NHL player, but when you watch his edge work, when you watch like his vision, how he sees things, he gets things done. He drives a line like that, and you know, go out and get your money. Like I said, but for people that say like you should take your hometown discount thing. There's an article, it's really old, and it's got a quote about Curtis Glencross when he took a hometown deal with the Calgary Flames. They took a discount there, and he came out. I remember this because it sticks out in my head, and he's like, don't do it. Like, go out and get your money. Like, he got traded, and then he didn't get another contract, essentially, after Washington. Maybe he bounced around one or two teams, but that was essentially the end of his career there. And he's like, you have one chance here. Go out and make it, especially from a player's point of view. You, you can win. If you're that good, you'll be able to win. I know mm -hmm. Connor McDavid's a little bit different, but he wins, essentially. I mean, he puts up 100 points. Why can't Mitch Marner do it? Right, right. And the other thing that's kind of surrounding RFAs here is that a lot of them might not be there for training camp and might not be there for the start of the season. And obviously Mitch Marner is one that has been noted saying, hey, we're going to go to Switzerland and train there if we're not going to have a contract done by training camp. But there are there any other players on that list that you can, you can see kind of not sitting out training camp, sitting out maybe the first couple months of the season, not taking it the distance like Nylander did, but any players that you think maybe? I mean, the fact that well, I'm just going to hit my last point here on Marner. He's yeah. going to go to a Switzerland. 
Nalander did the same thing last year in Sweden, so it's nothing new. It's just a tactic to maybe up the ante. But someone I do think will be in camp is Zakharovsky. From what it all sounds like, both sides really want to get a deal done. And maybe Brock Besser because they kind of need him. They really, really need him, and I think they should pony up and pay him. But out of all the free agents, I do think Wawrinski has the most likely to be there. I think Prover for Philadelphia, Proveroff, mm-hmm. is kind of in the balance. McAvoy's waiting. He might be a guy because, you know, everyone loves him there. He's not a hometown guy, but he went to college there. Point being is, is that I think Wawrinski – both sides really, really want to get a deal done. And I think that's going to drive them to get, and they need to get a deal done. You lost two of the biggest guys, and that's a team where you need every player you can get in camp. So Yeah, and another one that I was kind of looking at too is Miko Rantanen. Just because of the fact that Colorado has an obscene amount of cap space, and they haven't done anything with it yet, um, they traded away Tyson Berry. That freed, up, that freed up some space, even though they are paying, they're retaining um, a good chunk of his salary. But... Um, the, the one that's very interesting to me is Patrick Laine, and I think that's solely because his season last year was one of the most up-and-down seasons you could have you seen. I mean, he, he scored 30 goals. He scored 30 goals, but, and he had 50 points, but he, he scored those 30 goals in, like, such a short amount. Like, he went for so long just so cold and wasn't impacting the team at all. Like, if you go on – hockey reference and you look at his game log it's just zeros for like a good chunk of the season and then he goes to Finland and scores a bunch of goals comes back scores a bunch of goals and it's like zeros so like there's there's been debates that it's like okay well are you like do you give this guy a bridge see what he does and then figure it out from there or do you trust that he is going to be that scoring machine everyone compares him to Alex Ovechkin just a pure goal scorer with that with that shot do you just bank on that and say, okay, well, we'll sign him long-term, see how it goes? I think in Winnipeg's predicament, they have to go long-term. I think a bridge deal would kind of be a mistake. And people, like, you expect, there are high expectations for this kid. And for someone in his group who's a pure goal scorer, I mean, Ovi had some bad years. He had some really bad years. I mean, he was Noxer, not playing defense, not doing this, not doing that. And look where he is now. He won a cup two years ago, and he's one of the best. And I think it's more maturity than anything else and being used to an NHL grind. Yeah, granted, Fortnite probably isn't any good, especially in a year where you need to get signed. But point being, I think you got to go long-term here. Maybe keep the AAV a little bit lower. He's a pure goal scorer. You don't get people like that. You pay for goals. And it's just hard to pass. He's pure talent. Yeah, he had a sophomore slump. Has that happened before? Yes. Look at Nathan McKinnon. Happened to him. Everyone thought he would fall off and be kind of a bust. But now look where he is. He's killing the game at a great AAV. And Colorado has a really, really good problem on their hands. But Patrick Line definitely, and it scared me because what his comments were earlier on in the week and two weeks ago, I think it was now, about, you know, it's going to take time and I maybe have to find another place to say. And I'm paraphrasing here, obviously. But yeah, I think it'd be a mistake to go short term with him because he hits the market again. I think he's leaving Winnipeg because yeah, it's just I don't know. It's part of me is it's yeah, that's what I'm gonna go with there. I was kinda spinning my wheels at the end. Yeah, yeah. No, I we talked about those uh comments a couple weeks ago on the podcast and it was just like obviously players have to stay elusive and have to say, like, okay, well, you know, you never know what could happen. It's a business, blah blah blah, all of that. 
all of that cliche stuff that they have to say while they're in the middle of contract negotiations. But another thing, one last thing I want to talk about with within RFAs is the media's involvement and specifically just within the off season, especially when you hit August, there's it's dead. Like there's there's really nothing that you can talk about unless something big happens, like with the Minnesota Wild or with Evgeny Kuznetsov. But I mean, Darren Ferris, who represents Mitch Marner, obviously um, has been known to do this before. When he was representing, when he was uh, trying to get Sean Monahan's deal done, he's like, "We'll take our our talents to the KHL." You know, like if we don't get this done, he's he's known for. And I mean, even during the season when Matthew signed his contract, he's like, he 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 stuck up for Marner, which it's got to be tough. I think Sarah Sivian tweeted this the other day, but I think it's it's got to be tough. Like Mitch and Matt, Mitch and Austin are good friends. Like they they came up together. Like they both are young guys in this young core, and it's got to be tough when people outside that either represent them or other people are saying these things, comparing each other. And I, I don't think there's any animosity between them. I hope not because they're a great duo, but the media's involvement and fans reactions to it, especially on Twitter and social media, um, how big of an impact, like obviously players are on social media. I don't think they are sitting there reading everybody's tweets and, and saying, Oh man, this, this guy from, from Winnipeg thinks I'm this and this guy thinks this, but Media involvement, does that have an impact on RFAs and why there's such a stall in, in trying to get them signed? I mean, I would say no. I, I think they block out all the noise. These athletes have thick skins. Like you, I mean, you go to games and you get heckled. I mean, I give all props to John Tavares. I'm going to go back to Leafs here. When they came back, he stood his ground in Long Island. It was just like, you know what? I had the opportunity, and he got heckled. So these athletes have thick skins. I don't think they really look at – all these different things. I mean, they're in the show. They're having fun. I think, you know, the part of them is like, all right, yeah, I'm good. I can do whatever I want, essentially. But at the end of the day, yeah, they're going to have thick skins. The media is odd because they're going to pick up something and they're going to run with it. And we're a media. I'm a media. You're a media. It's a podcast. So you can spin things in a direction that you want them to. You can make it sound like Marner is going to go over to Switzerland. You're going to make it sound like, oh, maybe they're close to a deal. It's all about how you interpret different things and how, especially in this day and age when there's so much noise in the world in general. But as an athlete, yeah, maybe it's also in the middle of summer too. People go on vacations. Like personally, I was on vacation earlier this week and I was very happy. I got away from everything. Like hockey doesn't need to be in the summer. Like, yeah, it's fun to play pickup every once in a while and go train and stuff like that. But to report on hockey like and pick up this little crumb on something, it's not anything. You could say one thing, and it's a business too. You could say one thing to get them to go to A from B to C. So, Yeah, agreed. And that's – I saw one today that was like, oh, well, Matthews would love to be the Leafs captain. Well, yeah, everyone would love to be the Leafs captain. Like you've been reporting on this all year. Like it's – like I love Bob McKenzie because as soon as the – like as soon as the draft's over – his Twitter changes to a picture of a margarita. His name is Bobby Margarita, and he's like, I'm out. I'm going to chill on the lake, and I'm not going to be doing anything. And I feel like that's, that should be the motto for all, for all media within uh, the yeah. offseason, you know? Yeah, uh, and yeah I have to add one more point. Is yeah. Especially with sources, like everyone has a source today. Well, yeah, you can make up something be like, oh, my God, it's a rumor, and I'm going to really flesh this out. But, like – for, for myself, as an example, I'm not a blue check mark. I run a podcast on my free time, and it's fun. But from where I've worked, from where I've played, juniors and stuff like that, you make connections like that. You reach out to people and being like, 
hey, man, like, I know you're close with the Boston Bruins, for example. Have you heard anything on this? And you kind of just pull things together. You ask, like, 10 different people. Maybe you pull something together. Just you got to be careful out there. Twitter's pretty much a wasteland. Yes, and you got to be careful who you're reading stuff from and and where it's where it's coming from because people will take anything and run with it if they can. But moving on from that, let's move more into NHL talk. We've got a couple things here that I wanted to touch on, but let's start with the draft because the draft, obviously being a Chicago Blackhawks fan, the draft went really well for us. But uh, besides besides one and two, because Jack Hughes and Capo Caco were going number one and number two for months before the draft, we all knew that, just a matter of where they were going. Is there any team that you kind of thought won the draft that's, you know, not – not as popularized as everyone else made. Oh, Jack Hughes, the Devils won the won the draft. Is there anybody that you that kind of stuck out to you that's like, oh, that's a steal for that team? Well, I just want to touch on the Devils here because I've skated multiple times this summer because I still have one more year left of eligibility. Uh, I still have one more year left of college hockey. Um, I skate a lot at the Prue this summer, and I've I've had buddies and myself. I've kind of just bumped into Jack Hughes, and he lives up to. Pretty much everything. Now, I haven't seen him on the ice yet, but he lives up to everything about size. I just sat down. I was like, wow, you're like my height and weight, and you're going to go play in the show next year, and I'm just going to go play club. But point is, is that like people who say like he needs to bulk up, yeah, he definitely does because it is super scary, especially when you're going up against, I don't know, guys like Ryan Reeves. But point is, is that my other winner besides one and two, because both one and two, New York and New Jersey, both have phenomenal off seasons. It's got to be Colorado. I mean, when you add someone like Bowen Byram and Alex Newhook, and then everyone kind of looks over this, Drew Hellison, who's going to go to BC, I really liked his game. I really liked what he did for the NTDP program. And it's just like those three picks they nailed. And I knew there were already going to be winners the minute they walked in that draft room because, hey, you have Ottawa's pick. So that's awesome. Like, the minute you did that, it was perfect. So you move up from 16 to 4, essentially, and then you nail all three picks in that defense core with now adding Boehm, adding Kale, Samuel Gerrard, Eric Johnson still it. It's just so – they really had a winner on draft day. And usually you can't say this guy's a winner here, this guy's a loser here until maybe around five years out, but at least on a draft day. But for now – I, Colorado's a huge winner in my book. No one talks about them either. Right, and that's and something that I think was really important is, I don't know, I don't know if, like, you can't, you can't tell if they knew at the time around the draft that they were going to be trading Tyson Berry, but the fact that you get Bowen Byram to kind of fill that hole within the next year or two is, is a great pickup for them. Um, and I agree with you that they, the, after finishing last like they finished last only a couple seasons ago, which is crazy to think about and how, how quickly a team in an organization can turn around. But they have so much cap space, number one, to work with. They have Nathan McKinnon on one of the most beautiful deals in hockey. And you have a super young core that's all going to come up together. And I don't know, like you said, I, I, liked, I liked what they did at the draft. I also, this was just from a goal-scoring sco- goal standpoint, but I think the Montreal Canadiens – uh, literally stole Cole Caulfield at 15. I thought he was going to go at least top 10, at least like bottom 10, like 9, 10, 11, um, if he fell out of the top 10. But he's small, and he's really just really small. But he can score goals, and he's quick, and he has a great IQ. And I, don't, I thought – I didn't think he was going to fall that far. I mean, people are still afraid of height. 
they're still afraid of being shorter, even though the game was transitioned there because of that physical element. I mean, I know some smaller guys that definitely do get beat up. I mean, look at Corey Conacher. He's a small guy, and it didn't work out. So there is more of a risk to that. It's a more of a safer pick. And that's what you want to do in drafts. You want to minimize your risk. So if you look at it like that, yeah, it makes sense. But, yeah, Mon- I also like Montreal came up there as well. I just think Colorado definitely had to beat out. Cocaw Field, I remember sitting in the draft room being like, okay, when is it coming on? And then Philly didn't take him. And I was like, okay, this is like, all right, now Philly, who definitely needed another goal scorer on that lineup, goes out and skips on him. Now, granted, the defenseman they took is going to be a nice part to their team, uh, but Cocaw Field adds another layer to a team that desperately needs goaltending. I just, I'm not thrilled with that size because he, it is all of a sudden Montreal becomes a very small team. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a big, that's a big thing. But after the draft, obviously free agency opens and then it's a free for all after July 1st. Um, obviously big names like Panarin, Bobrovsky both moved on as expected. Anders Lee last minute signed with the New York Islanders. Uh, you've got, you've got people moving left, right, everywhere. Who do you think won free agency? So I have a couple winners here. Besides New York, I mean, you can't go wrong with getting a top five guy in the league. I mean, at that money, I mean, I might have a bias there. No offense. But, yeah, that was – I was – and when I take my fan hat off, at, that's a huge signing. I also like what Carolina did. The fact that they retained Ajo at that kind of money that did, along with getting Dezingle, who I think is extremely underrated – and gives you a really nice speed on that third line, along with Dallas. Yeah, they got older, but their window just really opened up for the next two, maybe three seasons. I like Sakara. I know he hasn't played a lot because of his ACL and his, his general, his lower body. It's going to happen. But the fact that you added Perry and Pavelski, both guys who have so much experience, and Pavelski who can play up and down the lineup, and there's zero, there's zero risk with Corey Perry. He's coming off a major injury, and if he goes bad, you just cut him and you throw him down to the minors or you just kind of deal with it, work him out. But the experience he brings, like those are my three winners there. And there are a couple, there's definitely a couple losers this off season. Who would your losers be? Let's do that too. Um, I think it's gotta be Minnesota cause they got older. I had mm-hmm. some of the deals, the Zuccarello deal did not sit well with me. I didn't like what Long Island did. Yeah. They signed Anders Lee who can pop 40 for you, but he's getting older, his foot speed and especially where the game is going. He's going to slow down a little bit. I wasn't too thrilled with that. Yeah, there was the captain of someone who wanted to stay. Good on that. Varlamov deal with Long Island really scared me, and I was like, excuse me, like I know you have goaltender. Like, go out and sign Robin Letter. Just give him the money that he wants. You gave him a good infrastructure. They did all that for him. And maybe meet somewhere in the middle with that. But if you're going to go from Leonard, who had a great year, to Varlamov, who's had basically double hip surgery forever now, at a four-year deal, what was it, five and a half, I believe? Mm-hmm. It was just super scary. Like, you don't give someone money like that. And especially when he lost a job, essentially, at Grubauer in Colorado, I just didn't like what Long Island did. And the fact that they were used as leverage for New York, their crosstown rival with Panarin, just upset me even more. Yeah, and that's – and I think, too, like the teams, like you said, okay, guys got older, guys did this. Teams that didn't do much of anything, um, those those are losers for me. I mean, Edmonton. Like, Ken Holland comes in after the mess that was going on over there, and you get James Neal. This is this is your option. And they got James Neal and they got um, 
what's his name? Um, they traded Cam Talbot. Was it Mike? They got Mike Smith uh, Mike back, Smith, and right? then they re-signed. Um, who'd they score 20? Uh, Alex Chiasson. Yep. They score, uh, they brought back. Like That was a tough situation to walk into. I, I didn't, yes. He did not have enough flexibility. I think he drafted well. I, but at this point, it's just you got to start finding room. And I guess he found a room with getting out, getting Sakara out. And he walked into one of the more difficult situations, maybe the most difficult situation for a new GM because – their their where their money was being spent and the talent they have with certain uh, players was just not not there. So I kind of give Ken Hall in the pass on this offseason because it's a new situation and it's it, like he walked into like the, uh, a burning house. Like yeah. the gif of the dog saying it's fine was like Ken Holland walking right in being like, oh, this is not fine. You need to get out of here. Yeah, yeah, that's a very, that's actually, I think of uh, that one and I think of the, that episode of SpongeBob where he's like inside his own brain and it's all on fire and they're like a million running around. I feel like that's that was the off season for them. But um, also trades. So there were a lot of trades this year, uh, this off season. I, I should say, the Blackhawks were very active. I can say that. But who do you think was the biggest trade? Who do you think had the biggest uh, the biggest get in terms of trading? So for me, the Tyson Berry ones up there, the Nazem Kadri Tyson Berry swap was pretty good, at least groundbreaking wise. The Milan Lucic James Neal, I remember when that hit, I was like, well, I'm surprised you moved either contract. That was there, and yeah, you have the Nikita Zaitsev, the Zach Smith, the Andrew Shaw, the James Reimer, the Phil Kessel. But I think this one because no one really knows who this kid is. The New Jersey Devils, and that that's why they had such a good offseason. They took a a really solid risk on this kid, Nikita Gusev, who is going to fit nicely in that top six. Like top six, he scored the most points outside of the NHL last year in any league, I believe. If I have my numbers right, and with him, he they the Devils need another score. They got one, and they only gave up a second and a third. Like that's nothing, and they took advantage of a Vegas team that needed to dump him because of their money issue. And I think that deal, when the season starts and when this kid really starts to light it up with Taylor Hall and Jack Hughes or Nico Heeshear, whatever line he plays on, it's going to really turn heads. Yeah, and that's that's one, too. I'm glad you brought that one up because I remember I remember getting notification for that trade, and I was like, that's that's it? That's all That's all they had to give up for that? Um, I remember last year they, they had signed him towards the end of the season, like going kind of good, like gearing up for the playoffs. Um and I remember Googling him and watching some of his highlights from over in the KHL. And I was like, this kid is, this kid's sick. This kid's going to, and like you, obviously you haven't seen him on North American ice. Like you don't know how he's going to play, but I like how you also brought up the, the New Jersey Devils because they, their off season was Ray Shiro, like round of applause. Like he, his, his off season was great. You got PK Subban, you get Nikita Gusev, you draft first overall, and you get Jack Hughes. Like, you're basically just setting up the table for all things. You're like, Taylor Hall, please resign with us. And hope, hopefully Taylor Hall does because if he does, he could be he could turn into the face of that. I mean, Jack Hughes might be the face of that franchise, but Taylor Hall could be the face, face of that franchise if he really wanted to be. Um, and a, for, I mean, a former first overall pick, too. So I like how you, I like how you brought them up. But uh, to wrap up this NHL segment, are there any, any surprises, either free agency or trades or the draft, any surprises, any disappointments? I mean, the biggest surprise and disappointment was the hometown team for the NHL draft. And I know 
based off where I'm located out of and where you're located out of, the Vancouver Canucks aren't really much of a talking point. But the direction they picked along with what they did at the draft. And I like their draft pick with the Russian kid. You know, I'm not even going to bother saying his name. Oh, Todd um, Colson? Yeah, that's it, because I always struggle with it. (laughs) But the fact that they traded away their first-round pick for JT Miller wasn't the best, and then signing Tyler Myers came out of the blue, but it really wasn't. like the term. It was more of, you knew Tyler Myers was going there. It was more of the term they gave him. I think, like, okay, maybe maybe three or four-year deal. The term they gave him was absurd because he's not going to really perform at that at the back end of that deal. That's the word I'm looking for. And then Jim Benning gets rewarded with uh, a three-year contract extension. I was sitting there, and I was like, listen, he's not done well in trades. He's done really good at drafting. Contracts have been up in the air, and coaching, he's run through a couple coaches there. Travis Green looks like he's the guy there, but they're my biggest surprise and disappointment because – I thought they were going to go take one road and they decided to make a big left turn and really do something out of the blue to save his job and make sure he got that extension. Yeah, I agree. I forgot that he got extended. I saw that news and I was like, oh, I mean, he's missed the playoffs three years out of the four he's been there. So, I mean, yeah, because he made it the first year. So that'll be fun for them too down the road. They'll be in cap hell trying to re-sign Elias Patterson and they've got some young goalies like Trevor uh, Thatcher Demko, Travis Demko. Thatcher Demko coming up through the system as well. So we'll see how that goes for them. But looking ahead to the NHL season here, let's talk about a couple predictions. I mean, this is what the offseason is for, right? Just predictions and lists that you make that will mean nothing come like the first month of the season. But it's fun to do anyway. Um, so each division, uh, are, there, are there any teams that you can see being standout? These guys are going to – these guys are definitely going to – these teams are definitely going to be at the top. I mean, we can start – we can start in the Western Conference and go through. We can start with the Central Division um, because that is going to be – I mean, the, I don't think the Blackhawks – the Blackhawks might be on the bubble. Like, they might be, eh, wild card, maybe. I do not see them as top three in the division for sure. But um, we can start there and kind of run through and see who, the to- who you think the top three teams will be. Yeah, of course. Uh, Nashville is still my winner there. They're still too good. They're still too deep. They have – They've really handled everything well. The P.K. Subban loss opens up room for some of the younger guys. Um, it also ended up giving them room to sign Matthew Shane, which just gives them an awesome forward core now. Um, number two has got to be Colorado. I really like this team. I've been high on them the whole show here. I really think they're going to do well. If Gruby can keep up what he did in the playoffs, I think they're going to be golden. I think you can't write off St. Louis after the run they went on. I think the biggest question mark is Jordan Bennington. Yeah, you know, you go out and you get hot and you win a Stanley Cup. Good. Now can you keep it up? And again, like, there's a consistency factor on all these teams. Like, can you keep Jordan Bennington? He's the biggest key on that team, too. If you get consistent goaltending, you'll be fine. Um, I guess we'll jump right to the Pacific then right now. Just yeah. to wrap up the Western. Yeah. Um, Vegas is still my winner there. They're too good, the moves they've made. And, yeah, they had to dump some players like Gusev and Colin Miller, but they're still – their forward core is still too nasty. The flower is going to keep you up. The defense core kind of worries me because I don't I don't know about that depth part. When you have Nick Holden playing some big minutes for you, that's no offense to him. It's kind of scary. Uh, San Jose, really like what they did. I, I'm sad that Pavelski left because I was more shocked and then saddened because I never thought he'd play in a different shade of green slash blue. But, you know, hey, it happens. And then Calgary, I think they're too good. Their defense core is nice. 
It's just that gold sending. Plus, uh, plus the Pacific is kind of weak this year, and it's really a toss-up. Yeah, and I've got the same. Honestly, I've got the same uh, top three. I also I wouldn't count out Dallas. I think Dallas might make a run for that third spot, just depending on how St. Louis does. Um, but Pacific is head put the nail on the head right there. Arizona might make a little uh, little splash. I don't know. We'll see what they do. But let's jump over to the Eastern Conference. We can start with the Atlantic. Who you got for the Atlantic? So it's usually the same three teams. It's going to be the same three teams again. I can't wait to watch Toronto-Boston for the third time in a row in this saga um, in the first round of the playoffs. Again, Tampa Bay is just too good not to win the division. Um, they'll be making more of a run. I think they learned their lesson this year, and I think they're going to really want to gear up and then really go after every team. But it's going to be the top three teams there. The Metro is a little bit different because it is really wide open because Washington is still my winner, but... You know, you never know what some of these teams like. Their depth has been tested. Pittsburgh has had some issues. They've just lost a pure goal scorer. Defense is kind of icky. But I still have them at number two because you can't. It's hard to go away from Sid. And then I have Carolina at three. That's more of a hot take than anything else. But I think after what happened last year and what people saw with that defense core and be able to move the puck up and what that forward core can do and adding certain parts like Eric Halla and Dezingle, Ajo's coming back and he wants to be there. As long as the goaltending holds up, I think they're definitely a wild card team or a third place team. The other teams, I wouldn't count out Philly, but I have them as a wild card team right now. Yeah, yeah. And I I think, I say this every year, but Florida's like my dark horse um, for, the, for the Easter Conference. Like I always feel like every year I'm like, they're going to do great, they're going to do great. And then they just totally flop within like the first month or two and it always makes me look stupid. But I don't know. I Eastern Conference, I kind of see them with Bobrovsky. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe if fans show up and like actually support the team, that might, that might give them a little more motivation to, you know. I mean, that might help. But the thing with Florida is everything's there. Coach Q doesn't miss the playoffs. I'm sure mm-hmm. you know that very well. Oh, yes. Um, <laughs> you just don't pay for saves. That, that, I'm sorry. It's just, yeah, like I guess the Vasilevsky and the Carey Price deal are different because they're top goalies. But if you're right. looking at someone like Bob, who's had an injury history, and, yeah, he's won a lot of nice, essentially hardware outside of the cup. But, I mean, you don't pay for saves like that, considering look at how Carolina did it last year on the cheap, and they went all that way. Um, Florida definitely is a dark horse for me. I think they're going to be a lot better. I, I have them as a wild card team right now. Yeah, yeah. Um, are there any any early Stanley Cup predictions for you? It's super early, but any any team that you can see? I mean, Tampa Bay might it's get hard, It's hard together, not to but... bet. It's hard not to bet against Tampa Bay. I was going to put a ton, of, um, ton of money on them sweeping Columbus after that first period, and I was like, ah, this is going to be a cakewalk. Going to make easy money here, and then and then that happened, but we don't like to talk about that. Um, I, you know, Tampa is definitely coming out of the East. It's, it's hard not like, this is the year, like it was the year last year, but they're just too good. Like it has to be the year. Mm-hmm. It's not, if it's going to be the year, it has to be. Cause otherwise the more years they wait, that window gets a little slow, a little smaller and money keeps going up. I mean, the Vasilevsky contract's going to kick in. Then you're like, Oh boy, now we have to move money around here and here. Like Stevie Y set them up for a real nice window, but I, I, been high on them the whole podcast. I'm really in love with Colorado this year. I think they can really make some noise. The way they went out last year, especially to San Jose, you can blame on the officials if you want, but they're a real fighting chance. And as long as McKinnon's on that contract and whatever they pay, Miko, it, the, that window's going to be wide open. So I, I think they really 
either it's a, a, a finals appearance or at least it's a Western Conference appearance. Yeah, agreed. All right, let's wrap this thing up. Let's plug your, your podcast, where we can find you, all of that good stuff. So just talk about yourself for a minute. Yeah. Yeah, it's easy to talk about yourself. Like, people love talking about themselves. Oh, yeah. I, I've noticed, at least. Um, so I run Hockey 411. Uh, we talk uh, – we do – right now in the off season, we've been doing, I'd say, two teams per week on the show. We do, like, a news and notes section to begin with, and we get our feature interviews. And then we usually wrap it up with some fun stuff. But fun stuff really hasn't been here this summer because it's been kind of dead. Um, we're on iTunes uh, and SoundCloud along with Spotify. Um, all under the hockey 411. You can type those in. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, review. On Twitter, we are on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Instagram really is going to get ramped up hopefully this fall. It's been kind of just there right now. I'm not going to lie about it, but I would say Twitter is definitely our main form. That's where um, I really speak my opinion on everything, get on my little soapbox. Yeah, awesome. Well, make sure to follow him. He's been great. Thank you for coming on. This was awesome. A great, great conversation um, about stuff this off season, and I'm sure our listeners and your listeners are going to love it. So we really appreciate your time today, um, and we'll talk soon, of course, because now, yeah, of course. now we've been on each other's podcast, so now we're, now we're friends. So Exactly. It's easy. Right. All right. Well, thank you guys for listening to this week's bonus episode. We hope you enjoyed it. Make sure you subscribe. Everything's going to be down below that we've talked about here. So we will see you guys next week. Have a good one.